Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a hand break off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbreak Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. It's Wednesday morning, 12 hours or so after we convincingly, for the most part, beat Chelsea. Uh, we'll talk about that as well as the heartbreaking defeat for the women against Wolfsburg in the Champions League semi-final. I'm joined by Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark. Morning. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Slightly happier podcast today than we have for the last few weeks. Um, especially when we think about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's touch in the area when it ran off. <laughs> I mean, what has happened to him? And basically, uh, it's not just him, by the way, Raheem Sterling. My God, who the hell was that playing in his shirt last night? Um, apparently... Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has a tattoo of himself in an Arsenal shirt. Did you know this, by the way, uh, Adrian? Did you know this? You knew this, uh, Amy. Yeah, OK. Um, well, fair enough. I mean, he loves the Arsenal and who can blame him? Which Arsenal player would you get tattooed on yourself if you indeed would get an Arsenal player tattooed on yourself? Amy, who would you get tattooed? Who's to say I haven't got one? <laughs> Have you got one, Amy? Oh, that would be telling, wouldn't it? <laughs> Okay. Well, who have you got tattooed on yourself, Amy? No, 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 no. I, uh, I haven't gone that far. Um, did you I did think, think about it though. I, not a player. I mean, a, a player's <laughs> sort of a full-on kind of visual. No, um, I did at, at times in my youth contemplate if there was some sort of small little insignia that I might uh, consider somewhere, but uh, no, yet to do it. Um, although although uh, my eldest was going to have the exact time down to the kind of millisecond of Reese Nelson's goal against Bournemouth tattooed <laughs> uh, if Arsenal won the title. Yeah. Um, and I was going to allow him. Uh, <laughs> Were you? I was, yeah, if that's yeah, what he wanted. Nice, but nice. Uh, there's still time, guys. Yeah. Get the kid the tattoo. Are you listening, <laughs> everyone who's playing against Man City? <laughs> what about you, Adrian? I mean... You played for the Arsenal. Are you, could you do a Danny Alves? Get yourself tattooed on your own chest? <laughs> Even though that actually is his son, I believe. Okay. Danny no, Alves I wouldn't have myself tattooed um, onto, onto my body. I wouldn't have a tattoo anyway. I'm just not edgy enough. I'm just very boring in that, in that regard. Um, I'm the least likely person on the planet probably to have a tattoo. But... If I was, I think the number 29, you've seen it in the back. Obviously, I, don't, I haven't got the background at the moment in my office. But yeah, the, the, the shirt with the 29, that number means a lot to me. You know, I was proud to wear that shirt. And every time I see a player wearing 29, uh, and I saw Tuber Akpom the other day in the flesh. I watched Middlesbrough and he wore the 29. Championship player of the year, by the way, Tuber Akpom. 
I don't know. It's a bit of a special number. So I'd, I'd probably get that or a cannon. Um, or if you were going for words, it's up for grabs now. Those kind of things. But absolutely no imagery of me or any other player. I think that's just weird, personally. Yeah. Um, yeah, 29. Doesn't it go past the Arsenal? Go down Seven Sisters Road, the bus, I believe. It, it, uh, it, it used to go past my school. It was under 29 and the 253, and it used to go past Holloway School down towards the Arsenal. So I quite like that. You're not saying it's a bus, of course. Mm-hmm. I understand that. Um, I was thinking, I was thinking, well, a player would have to be, it has to be your first love, I think, really, which is Liam Brady for me, if I was going to have a, a tattoo. Uh, of anyone but again I also thought I thought about it I thought about the crest to be honest um, which I, one I, well I mean the uh, uh, Victoria Concordia Crescent with the, uh, the you know uh, the, yeah, yeah. The, on the club I always shirt. thought the, the, the one with the football in the middle the kind of Art Deco crest is, uh, is a good one I, I mean I mean it, I, I understand for, for tattoos if you're into that kind of thing. no but it's nice to have some permanent mark on yourself if you're into that to show our love of of uh, of the team um i was thinking i might actually get an adrian clark now <laughs> in the middle of my back an adrian clark us three quite... talking about tattoos we haven't got a scooby oh have we we no, have not, not got one, a scooby. not one between us um... dear, dear listener if any of you have any clue about tattoos and what we should or shouldn't be doing please share Oh, yeah, let us know. Let us know uh, any suggestions. And uh, I'm not saying if we win the title, I will, but... Um, uh, go anyway. on. No, no. <laughs> really? Really? Yeah, let's do this Should we make a pact? We've had a couple of drinks. <laughs> Come should on, we then. make a pact? Yeah. That's exactly what we should do. The handbrake-off yeah. logo. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the athletic logo. <laughs> yeah. Company, company uh, tattoo. Um... By the way, 3rd of May, today is the 3rd of May, special day in Arsenal's history. Um, Arsenal won the title twice on this day, 1971 and 1998. 1971, uh, Ray Kennedy uh, with the only goal two minutes in the end at White Hart Lane. You know, I got locked out of that game. You know, my dad took me along when I was eight and we couldn't get in. So uh, almost saw that one. But I did, of course, see the other one, which was Arsenal 4, Everton 0 in 1998. Now bold. And it's Tony Adams put through by Steve Ball. Would you believe it? That sums it all up. Absolutely marvellous, marvellous afternoon. I've never seen any people so happy as that day. Um, Arsenal, by the way, have now matched their points tally from 97-98 as well. It's very, very impressive. Here's Jesus. Jacker pulls it across to Erdogan! And when they needed settling down in this match, it was their captain who did the job for them. Arsenal 3, Chelsea 1. We are back on top of the league, at least for the day. I think Man City play West Ham tonight. Don't they? I'm working on it. Yeah. Are you working? On <laughs> yeah. It? Okay. If they're expecting uh, neutral commentary, well, they got another thing coming. So. <laughs> Declan Rice in the 94th minute hands the title back, puts the title back into the hands of his next team. I'm going to be so like unenthusiastic that. when uh, City bang in goals number three and four. It's just going to be unreal. But yeah. Yeah, we'd have to wait. Today's not because obviously once they get leads on Saturday, they've got no chance, have they, really? Anyway, right now we are top. Amy, I read your piece this morning 
Well it's done. about the lead. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It was no hardship, really. It was. I love reading your stuff. Um, in the piece, you talked about the leaders in the group. Mm. That's sort of what Mikel Arteta was talking about. He trusted the leaders to take the idea of how we're going to get going again. How we're going to maintain that focus. And I think. Do you think the leaders felt a little bit guilty, perhaps, for how things have gone in the last few weeks? have to ask them I don't know yeah. but uh, what I think they are is well placed to do the things that are needed to encourage a team to go back to basics and remember what they're good at and not get too strung up on things um, I just think it was interesting I, I was trying to mm. appreciate or understand how it must have been within the camp in these last few days and weeks and what you do, what you do to try and get out of it, because you can't dwell, you just can't. Whatever's happening, even if it's completely gone, you don't just give up and, you know, well, Chelsea. But um, <laughs> I, I think that Mikel was, was quite interesting about how does it, you know, how did he lift himself up so that he could lift the others up um, after the Man City game, which must have really hurt. You know, it's the only time really all season that Arsenal have been... Uh, embarrassed I would say I think the atmosphere around the training ground was surprisingly quick to to turn around and I, and I think he credited some of those senior players for being important psychologically in lifting the mood and I, and you could see it in I think the names that were particularly at the forefront of this Jorginho Xhaka and Erdegaard probably not surprising characters to have been responsible for an uplift of, of mood uh, and certainly the way that Arsenal went about the you know the opening half an hour of the game all those players in particular looked like they they did look like they had maybe an extra responsibility to set the tone whether they felt that that was because they were trying to make amends for you know things that had gone wrong I don't know but at least it showed that they could um get hold of themselves and the others and shake off a big disappointment fast, which is an absolute necessity if you're going to work, work in elite sport. Just a quick one. I, I interviewed Joe Edwards, who's Lampard's number two, a few weeks before his return to football, basically when he was out of work, I interviewed him. And he was talking about uh, Everton because they kept losing and losing. He said it was very hard. Like it was their responsibility as coaches almost to lift the mood at the, the training ground week after week after week, which was something new because they'd worked at Chelsea previously. And he said that, yeah, we had setbacks at Chelsea, but... But because we were such a good team, because we had winners in the dressing room who knew they were good and we knew we were a good team, you could just flick it and you could park it. And I think that that, that is what Arsenal would have done. They would have parked it and said, look, we've been brilliant this season. No need to dwell on it. We move on. It's, e it's easier to do it from the position when you've got 75 points on the board, when you've not reached 80 in the last 14 years. So, you know, they've got a lot to feel good about. and uh, But, yeah, it was good to see. And, and those were the standouts for me in the game. Jorginho, Xhaka and Erdegaard. I thought they were brilliant. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. Was, it was superb. And, and at the end, Amy, you did say, for now, Arsenal feel more capable of being themselves. That's what it's about, isn't it, really? You, you suddenly went, oh, yeah, there they are. When, when the way that they tore into Chelsea in that first half an hour... It felt like, yeah, yeah, that's the team we've been watching all season. Well, it's a horrible feeling when you feel out of sorts, you know, and uh, you maybe don't know why or what's what you're doing differently or you're trying something that's not happening for you. It, 
especially feeling out of sorts and exposed in, you know, in a very public way, it must be incredibly difficult. And I think there is such a feeling of joyous relief for those players to look at each other in the eyes and look at the mirror at themselves and think, oh, yeah, this is, this is what we can do. This is, this is who we are. Yeah, um, the changes that Mikel Arteta made. Um, Adrian, it's so easy, obviously. We can all be kept in hindsight and everything, but some of the changes that he made, bringing in uh, Jakub Kivior, bringing in Jorginho, bringing in Trossard, should he have been doing that a couple of games earlier, do you think? I mean, I'm just putting it out there, right? Yeah. I don't know. um, I mean, yeah, it's easy to say that now. He could have been braver with Kivior, I suppose. Yeah, but we, we just hadn't had a big enough sample size. Mikel Arteta hadn't had enough uh, big enough sample size of what he could do in English football in this Arsenal team to really go for it. And I think because we've been conceding goals so frequently, I felt it was the right time to change it and to take a chance on it. Also, we were playing Chelsea, who are just abysmal at the moment. And I think he felt that this is a great opportunity to bring in Kivior. And if he does the biz, then we'll keep him in. And 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 that, I think, is is what will happen now. You know, we could see his speed. He, he got that cover speed. He was nice and aggressive, got tight to players. A couple of loose passes here and there, but it was a good it was a good performance. And um, I've got no issue with two left footers at the heart of defence. Arsenal have had <laughs> some pretty good partnerships down the years with two right footers. So I don't think it's... You know, the be-all and end-all. But yeah, no, that, that change made sense. And for me, just in pure footballing terms, if I was Thomas Partey and I'd played like I did at City, I wouldn't expect to start the next game. And I think it was it was the right call to bring in Jorginho. And if it's true, and I'm assuming it is, that, that Jorginho stepped up at the training ground, was part of that leadership group. I noticed in the celebrations, he was the one talking in, in that little mini huddle that they have. He is a real leader. And it was the right time to bring him in. And now, of course, there's a dilemma. Newcastle away, biggest, you know, biggest game of the season now, isn't it, for us. Um, what do you do? Do you bring in Thomas Partey, who's been that rock, or do you stick with Jorginho? Tough call, because he was good. Adrian, I just wonder with a, a an away game where they have got a little bit of a mental scar from last season and where you know one of the things that has been a, a feature of this campaign is that Arsenal have played Arsenal's way whatever the circumstance but is there an argument to try and play them both you know I've always felt that there is a possibility of approaching certain games differently. And obviously, if you can, you want to go and control it in the way that you want and express yourselves in the way that you want. But actually, the single pivot thing, you know, better teams than Arsenal put in a, a double pivot at times when they want to have a bit more control in the middle There's of the There's one park. fixture I want to see a double pivot in, and that's Man City at home and Man City away. That's it. It should That's have been. It? it should have happened at Man City this yeah. season. Yeah. But would because... you do it at Newcastle? Is all I'm arguing. No, I don't think so. Is my honest answer because I don't think Newcastle are like City. I don't think they've got that as much threat between the lines. Um, I think we can go there and control possession. They're going to try and hit us on the break and hit us hard and fast with Isak, the pace of him and and Joel Linton, the power of him and Willock. Um, I don't. Well, I wouldn't change it because I think it's a game where we want to have the ball and we want to kill the game and cre- maybe nick a lead and then learn from what 
what the mistakes we've made in recent times and basically just quieten the crowd. We can't let this become an end-to-end game because St. James's Park is a little bit crazy at the moment and that noise, that atmosphere could rattle us. You can see it happening. I think we all could. We've got to make this quite boring. We've got to we've got to just knock it around and keep the ball for fun. And I think the best, probably the best way to do that is to play the system that the players play are used game. to. Yeah, that first that, half that, hour at Liverpool yeah. essentially is what but, we're looking for. But I wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. But over a much longer longer course <laughs> of the game. But I yeah. am intrigued by what Arteta would do with Jorginho because I think he played well in the game and much better than Thomas has played in recent weeks. Thomas has had a bit of a... He's been sleepwalking a little bit the last few weeks, it seemed to me. And Jorginho came in last night and was, as you said, Amy, a leader on the pitch. Uh, and that's what we need. A couple of fun moments from last night. Obviously, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang just looking like he's never played football before or something. He had, what was he, had about nine touches and four of them were from, uh, from kickoffs, which is absolutely brilliant. 17 in two games against us. But I think my favourite moment, Amy, was singing uh, Super Frankie Lampard to... Uh, <laughs> there was some good banter flying around, wasn't there, in the, in the stands. I did enjoy that. I mean, it, it took me back to uh, it took me back to uh, Harry Redknapp and uh, it pays tax when he wants and him uh, sinking deeper and deeper into his seat. But Amy, um, I mean, they are terrible. And there was a bit of you. We spoke just before this pod about how you were a bit disappointed that we didn't properly batter them. I mean, we did in the first half, but I think there was a general sense around the ground that we probably could have won that by five or six. And somebody behind me did say, and I can't remember who, did say, what's City's goal difference? You know, and I thought, (laughs) all right, let's not get carried away. But... That was an opportunity uh, slightly missed, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think from a kind of juvenile, um, tribal way, yeah, I was, uh, at 3-0, you're thinking, come on, let's have six, because it does feel like there's still some uh, unfinished business as regards uh, Arsenal and Chelsea in recent years, and they have made Arsenal suffer at times. That game, which was Wenger's thousandth game, uh, at Sanford Bridge, you know, is a, <laughs> something that you wouldn't wish it on your biggest enemy, that kind of nightmare. But so there was an opportunity to return the compliment, really, uh, which Arsenal didn't quite have the wherewithal to take. And if you're going to nitpick, you'd say that last half hour, there was a lack of clarity, a lack of control. It, you know, that wasn't ideal. It wasn't the perfect Arsenal performance to say, look, Arsenal are. All their problems are over because, you know, they conceded one sloppy goal and it could have been more, which felt completely out of keeping with the temperature of the match. But, you know, it was that first half an hour was great fun. And I have to credit all the Arsenal supporters, uh, as well as the team, for really making it feel very raucous and upbeat at the start. Because I think it was understandable and I did have a little bit of concern that it might be a bit flat in the atmosphere. One thing that was notable before the game was for the first time all season, there was messages going around, oh, spare ticket here, Tickets, ticket there, right. someone's not yes. going. Uh, la, la, la. And when you consider how sought after these tickets have been, as people were looking towards the last few games of the season, people wanting to come over from abroad because they're desperate to see the team this season, you know, the, the clamour to try and get in has been a, a real positive about this season. And I, and I thought it was a little bit of a shame and disappointment to see that after a few difficult games 
that all of a sudden people felt maybe this game was expendable if uh, uh, if they had something else on or they didn't feel 100% or there was some kind of issue. Um, but when, when the game started, the, the atmosphere was phenomenal. I think it's also partly because they moved the game for us mm-hmm. so that me and you could go. <laughs> oh, yeah, there is that. Yeah, that I was think, appreciated. And, and, I, and yes, thank you for that because we did enjoy it, both of us. But I think it's partly down to that. As yeah, well. but it was two, you know, two weeks ago that that change was made. And yes, it's been difficult. But if you, if you weren't going to be able to go, there was time to find someone else to take your ticket. It was more the kind of in the three to four hours before kickoff. There was a lot of pings about spare tickets. Do you know anyone? Who I like the atmosphere. I thought I thought inside that first first half an first hour. First half great. an hour was yeah. brilliant. It, it was fantastic. Yeah, I loved it. Um, so yeah, no, I I it was think a real show of kind of affection um, for yeah. the uh, you know for the team and what they've done. This and we did it without the Ashburton Army for about twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a little there was a little demonstration that was going on, and I sort of looked over to my right, and they weren't there. I just didn't hear that. Bung, uh, that uh, drum banging, yeah. and then suddenly they were there. And uh, <laughs> but I thought that we, the rest of us, the fifty-nine and a half thousand others uh, who were there, made up for it more than made up for it. And well done us. Also, by the way, we are the first team in Europe's top five leagues to have four players reach ten goals this season: Saka, Martinelli, Odegaard, and uh, Gabriel Jesus. Uh, Michael Cox has written about this for the Athletic. Um, mm. Adrian, mm. this. Goals from all over the pitch. I mean, we've been saying it all season, but it, it, it really does help, doesn't it? Everyone's weighing in. Well, it just doesn't just help. It's a necessity, isn't it? When you haven't got a, a, a goal muncher at the top end of the pitch that, that smashes 30 or 40 in. 50. You, you need, yeah, or 50. <laughs> then you need to spread it around. And I think it was all of our hopes that Saka and Martinelli and Erdegaard and Jesus would get to double figures each. And they have, and most of them are pretty close to double figures for assists as well. Obviously, Saka's there already. So, no, tre- tremendous. Um, I mean, Granit Xhaka's not far off now with his direct goal involvement. It's incredible. I thought I thought in that first half, it was peak Xhaka. It was, he was untouchable. Chelsea were lazy. I don't think we can deny that. I mean, Chelsea were incredibly lazy and they were a shambles. But no one tracked him and he just kept popping up between the right back and the centre back and... And he played like a left winger, didn't he? It was it was brilliant to see. And those two assists were precision passes. Yeah, they they were, were two of the best passes that any Arsenal player has made this season. And I, I know that sounds like a big statement, but he's threaded those through a very narrow corridor with a perfect weight. They were brilliant. And um, yeah, you should get the credit for that. Um, just on Odegaard as being one of those players who's into double figures and well beyond now, his... Goals involvement level is absolutely staggering this season. And I think that was a part of his game that what, as much as everyone admired uh, his aesthetically pleasing footwork and skills when he first arrived, that was the big question mark was could he actually, you know, direct games, impact games, affect games, you know, in a very, very clear way by goal involvements. And, I think he's on 22 goal involvements now for the season, which is remarkable. And uh, one of the other journalists was saying that Robert Perez had 24 in, was it 01, 02, when he was player of the year. (sighs) And, I mean, there's not much higher praise that you can come up with, to be completely (laughs) honest. And for Martin to be delivering that, it's absolutely phenomenal. And I'm very, very interested to see if he can keep that going. You know, is this just a... 
something that's happened this season or has he been able to transform his game that that is a, a feature that will stick around and for his and Arsenal's sake let's hope so it's yeah, been 14 phenomenal. goals 7 assists yeah it is 21 in the Premier League alone that's top draw and we need it don't we because we have a front four of sorts and there's no point that that attacking midfielder that number 10 just looking pretty and as much as I really liked Mesut Ozil as a player when he was on it he never had that that kind of output in terms of goals, did he? Um, didn't get into the box enough. Martin's added that to his game. Um, 14 goals is excellent. It really is. Yeah. Um, and, and one more thing. We did a double over Chelsea. I know that it's maybe a slight disappointment. We haven't done that in a while, I don't think. I think um, we did it the year before last, actually, Ian. So. All right. Well, we have done it uh, in, in very recently, actually. <laughs> As it turns out. But it it hasn't... All right, the last 20 years, it hasn't happened that often. By the way, we also have... We're the first team to win 10 London derbies. I don't really care about that stuff. But (laughs) at the same time, it is quite impressive this year. And it also talks about where we are now, uh, which is what we'll get to uh, in the second part of the show. Adrian, you want to... Just just to sort of put put a bookend on it for the game, it was a team against a non-team. Think of the money that that Chelsea squad are earning compared to Arsenal. Think of the money spent, but they're not a team. And you could see it. There was just no cohesion without the ball, no plan with it. Arsenal had, you could see they they knew exactly what they were doing. Uh, And that's where we're at. and, And we should feel really, really good about that. And that's where they're at as well. And we should feel good about that Absolutely. as well. Because they are utter shit. And it's brilliant to watch, isn't it, really? Uh, this is handbrake. <laughs> it is, though, isn't it? Can we just take a moment just to appreciate how bad they are? Maybe Frank will keep them up. Maybe he won't. <laughs> Anyway, this is Handbrake Off at the Arsenal Podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at the time. Ian Stone, Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark here on Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Uh, Alan Shearer and Ian Wright went for a walk round Highbury and the Emirates uh, last week. This sort of continues from where we were talking about before the break. Uh, Ian Wright said, I went to the training ground the other day. I was with Edu and Bikel and what's happening now at the, at the club is we're not having to go out and cajole other people to come and join Arsenal. He said that Edu's phone is ringing off its hook. Um, Amy, it has been transformed, doesn't it? And as much as, we, yeah, we, you know, we might have regrets about this season when it all ends. When we think about where we were, we finished eighth two seasons ago. We're now second. We're in the Champions League with four or five games still to go. This is this. It has been transformative. And they have learned from their mistakes as well. So you, 
you, it, this is where the club is at now. We're we're a, a top level Premier League club. It has been a phenomenal improvement, and I think as a foundation for the next step, it's um, extremely beneficial. It feels like a club that's operating smartly, uh, cohesively. There's a plan. There's people who are working together, all pulling in the same direction. If you're a player and you you're uh, coveted, and these days the majority of good players, you know, do have a bit of a pick. It's not that common that if you're a top player, you'll only you know there'll only be one club for you to go to, in terms of like the best talent out there. But the fact that Arsenal are going to be in that conversation is really interesting. They're not always going to get their own way, and Mudrik is an example of that. It's obviously someone that. Mikel really, really wanted. I think he showed flashes in the game yesterday and you can really see good. why. Yeah. yeah, you can see that he's got a je ne sais quoi. He's got something about him that in the right team with the right coaching and the right direction and the right progression, you know, you can appreciate why there was a, a, a play for a player like that. I think Mikel knows who he wants in the majority of cases and where he wants them for next season. And I think the club will, they've shown a willingness to back him, which I think is not going away fast. So it's going to be so fascinating to watch the next step of this team. And I think if you're one of those top players, there are certain things that attract you to one club over another. And I don't think you can underestimate the power of a manager, which is mad because obviously quite a few Premier League clubs have been through three managers this season. So, <laughs> you know, if you are, that's one of the big reasons for going to a club. You know that that's uh, vulnerable. However, in Arsenal's case, luckily, it doesn't look that way. And I think when Mikel talks to prospective players, and let's not imagine that this doesn't go on because it obviously goes on everywhere. Uh I think he has an effect on people where they want to come and play for him in the same way that Arsene had that when he was at the peak of his powers as well. And he's developed not just a reputation, but an actual way of interacting with people. And think about how we all like listening to Mikel Arteta now much more than perhaps when he first came. Um, He's very convincing and he's got a real... He's got much more warmth, I think, than when he first came. He's relaxed a little bit into it. And on a human level, if he's talking to you, I think that you'd probably want to go with him as much as obviously other managers are going to have their own attempts as well at convincing people. But I think there's a, you know, the fact that let's not pretend that Mudrick was being booed yesterday, but let's not pretend he didn't want to come to Arsenal. He obviously did. And there were reasons why it ended up not happening that way. But, I'm pretty sure that everything that was going on at the club is what made him sort of almost flirt so openly with Arsenal for so long. And uh, I think we know of certain players who are out there that Arsenal might like who are probably feeling similarly. But that doesn't mean you always get them. So that's why I think this summer is so interesting. You know, uh, does Declan Rice come? Arsenal want him. Looks like he wants to come. But other parties have to be involved. You know, West Ham have to play ball. And if they don't, there'll be other clubs who'll be willing to step in and come up with the cash. So the market is not easy, but Arsenal have got 
the credentials and the qualities to give themselves the best possible fighting chance for the players they want. Adrian, we're in the conversation. That's what that's what we're, we're saying. Definitely. And, and we have not been in the conversation for quite some time. Not with this level of player. No, the bar has no. been raised, that is for sure. Um, if you want to hear more of this, by the way, I'm on today's uh, Athletic Football Podcast with Martin Chapman and, and David Ornstein, where we talk for the entire podcast about the summer and what Arsenal, the shape of the team, will look like next summer. So we go into a bit more detail there. But yeah, it's... The, at the crux of it is that we are now an extremely attractive proposition. Yes, because of the manager, uh, but also it's we're on that upward trajectory. A lot of our big six rivals are in slight disarray, in need of urgent repair. We can just top up. We can go and cherry pick the positions that we want and be more selective um, and, and really bring in some elite players. We have to, I think, flex our muscles this summer and take advantage of of the situation because we are for, for players anywhere in the world, Arsenal are right up there now in terms of places that they want to be. And, um, so exciting. It's really, really good. Absolutely (laughs) love hearing this. It's just great. Um, uh, right, he actually did say somebody met him outside of the ground. This is the day after the Man City game and she was reeling, she said, from the result against City. And he said, don't, don't be like, don't, you shouldn't have to reel, he said, basically, because because this is only a, a function of where we're at. There's actually another piece by Daniel Taylor he followed Arsenal for the past week. He watched the FA Youth Cup game, the City game and the Women's Champions League. Should never be allowed to club ne- again. <laughs> Keep away from our club, Taylor. He wasn't we wearing my hoodie, know. was he? Yeah. <laughs> I think he was. I think he was. And the players saw it and rubbed it and that was what did it, right? The hoodie. Um, but anyway, he saw three games and it's again... Uh, Adrian, it's about where the club are at, how close we are. The Youth Cup yeah. game. Listen, West Ham, the FA, uh, uh, the West Ham youth team have been steamrolling all before them. And, uh, you know, we went 1-0 up, but it didn't work out. But again, we got to the final. Uh, you know, we played Man City, an enormous game. And, and th- let me tell you, those Man City fans, they knew how big that game was. We played them. And then the Women's Champions League as well, which we'll get to in a second. Mm. But we're in a, a different position now. Yeah, to where we it's were. a good place, isn't it? Yeah, like the youth team are obviously a decent side. I know that there's some hot prospects. A lot of the hot prospects in that youth team are 16, by the way. So, so they're only going to get better and better and it's one of our own Jack Wilshire in charge Per Mertesacker in charge of the, the whole academy that side of things feels really good Jonas Adevel's doing an amazing job with the women you know to, to take Wolfsburg to the 119th minute without your five best players was was still as, as heartbreaking as it was to to lose it was still a terrific achievement so um, yeah across the board everyone's doing well it's great. Word on that, by the way. I went to the Wolfsburg game. Um, uh, Amy, I know you weren't there. Adrian, you watched it, didn't mm, you? I watched, watched it online, yeah. yeah most I time. know you were commentating on Rotherham. I was, yeah. Yeah, I got back. <laughs> I, then I did Then I did go to the pub and then I came back and then, and then I watched a bit. I watched a lot of it and um, look, it, was, it was a good game, wasn't it? Great. Some great of the numbers, 60,063 attended. And, and I put this up on Twitter with a little picture. Uh, the Emirates looking resplendent, packed for the women. A couple of people came back to me saying, yeah, but it's only a tenant to get in. You're missing the point. Mm. You're absolutely missing the point. Um, and again, Adrian, mm. the depleted squad. Mm. 
I mean, they are missing four. They're missing, well, they're missing some of the best players in the world. Euros winning captains, top goal scorers. And they put up such an amazing fight and they lost in the 119th minute. Yeah, it's, it's the equivalent of, of the men's team being without probably... William Saliba. Saliba, Jesus, Saka, Erdegaard and Martinelli. They're yeah. all out at once. I mean, you know, that's how hard it is for them at the moment. Five brilliant players out. But yeah, they show great spirit. Real determination. I was really pleased for Jim Beattie to get the goal. And that was a good piece of tactical play, wasn't it, from from Jonas? Because she's a centre-half, Jim Beattie. We were chasing the game at 2-1 down. And he stuck her up top, only for five or ten minutes. And that's where, when she scored with the header, got it back to 2-2. Then she went back back to play at centre-back. So that was that was good from the gaffer. And um, yeah, it was just on. It was a real shame that, that it was a mistake from Lotta Wubbermoy that that led to the winner but but yeah it was um, they can take a lot of heart from it and Jeez. forget the league position as well with the WSL if Arsenal do finish fourth they deserve a pass because um, because of everything they've been through I think this season quite and if you want to see something funny watch Jen Beatty after she scores barrel over uh, uh, <laughs> Alexandra Pop <laughs> it was absolutely beautiful I mean genuinely just ran over her uh, I should say uh, by the way before we go uh, right in Shearer's conversation you can hear that uh, on uh, the handbrake off feed um, walking around Highbury and the Emirates uh, and it looks beautiful it looks absolutely Highbury still looking as gorgeous as ever maybe I'd have Highbury a sort of small Highbury tattoo Something mm. like that, because that's where that's where I fell in love with the team. So maybe it'll be maybe Stoney. It's not happening. <laughs> no, I'm not saying I'm. I'm genuinely not. I can't imagine that it will happen. But if you're asked, if somebody held me down and said you're having a tattoo, what are you having? Uh, you know, back the of the East stand, stand. Yeah, back of the East. The, the, the East stand. You know, I mean, just wherever. Just some. Maybe the view from my seat. I don't know. Well, um, I'll have a little think about that. I'm actually considering it now. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have one to spite you, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's have a song. Before we go, uh, Amy, have you got a song for us? Uh, yes. I'm going for left field and release the pressure. Because I think Arsenal released the pressure. And Very good. good track. I love that too. I love that tune, and uh, if if the timings work out, I'll be seeing it with Glastonbury in the summer, and I'm very much looking forward to that. Great tune. Uh, what you got, Adrian? Yeah, well, look, we've done the double over Chelsea. We are top of the league. It was an electric first half performance. I think smiles are back on faces. I'm going to steal one of your lines, mate. Have a nice day by the Stereophonics, Great. Uh, because I think all Gunas should should have a nice day today. Because uh, yeah, life's just feels a bit better, doesn't it? So have a nice have a nice have a nice have a nice I've taken a song for our captain. I just chose Norwegian Wood because he is our captain and he's scored a lot of goals and been involved in all sorts. And uh, we appreciate it very, very much. So Norwegian Wood by the Beatles, of course. I wanted a girl, or should I say, she wanted me. She showed me her room, 
That's it for Handbrake Off this week. Thank you to Amy. Thank you to Adrian. Uh, thanks to Charlie Jones, uh, who stepped in for Abby this week. Produce, we appreciate it. And thank you guys for listening and looking forward to the weekend. See you soon. Ta-ra. Handbrake Off.